When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. We observe today not a victory of party, but a celebration of freedom. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. The human zoo, where they don't hide away the sick animals. Dangerous mid-morning debate with the great dictator. The independent republic of Mike Graham. Stand to attention when I'm talking to you! On Talk Radio. Dismiss! Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk Radio. As we head for yet another crisis in the Straits of Hormuz, three Iranian boats tried to stop a British oil tanker this morning and they only withdrew after a warning from a British warship, HMS Montrose. Already, the government is complaining about breaches of international law uh, and they're urging Iran's revolutionary guard to de-escalate the situation in the region. The Iranians, of course, deny everything, as they always do. The Iranians say, we've not done anything wrong. The Iranians, of course, are still kicking back against the USA sanctions which have been uh, put upon them uh, and they're not very happy at all. Today I want to get to the bottom of exactly what the problem is here. Clearly Iran is pushing back on American sanctions against the country. Saudi Arabia is piling more pressure on the USA to do more against them and Jeremy Hunt, our foreign secretary is still arguing with Boris Johnson about who should take over in Downing Street. I mean what's he doing? What's he doing about this? What's he doing about the impending threats that are attacking our ships as they try to sail through a very dangerous and choppy water uh, in the Straits of Hormuz. We'll be speaking to former Director General of the Ministry of Defence, Rear Admiral Dr Chris Parry, former NATO commander as well, and we're asking him how far could this actually go? 0344 499 1000. We're getting reports uh, that the, uh, the tanker concern may be owned by BP, which could be very significant indeed. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll be asking whether last night's Panorama programme about the Labour Party has moved the dial on their anti-Semitism problem. I'm not entirely sure that it has, but an awful lot of Labour MPs are very, very unhappy about it. And why John Major needs to keep his nose out of parliamentary business. This is a bloke uh, who once shut down Parliament for his own good uh, and now says that Boris Johnson should not be allowed to do it and he will go to court, if necessary, to sort it out. We'll also tell you what to do if you've got some very nosy neighbours and we will bring you live, as it happens, when it happens, uh, the sentencing for contempt of court of Tommy Robinson. 0344 499 1000. You're listening to me, Mike Graham, right here on Talk Radio. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, every so often, something happens in a far 
far-flung part of the world and we wonder precisely what sort of um, impact that's going to have on the rest of us. We wonder whether or not if we're flying to Dubai on holiday, uh, whether there's going to be a problem going anywhere near the Straits of Hormuz. We wonder whether international flights and international airspace is in any kind of danger from Iranian uh, uh, guns and from Iranian anti-aircraft fire. We know, of course, about the American drone that was shot down uh, over international waters. Let's talk now to Rear Admiral Dr Chris Parry, former NATO commander, to find out precisely what role, if any, the Royal Navy is having at the moment. Obviously, HMS Montrose was involved in this incident this morning. Uh, Rear Admiral Dr Chris Parry, very good morning to you. Morning, Mike. Thanks very much for joining us. Um, what's the real situation here? Because it seems very murky to those of us who are not sort of international specialists, and I'm hoping you might be able to kind of cut through the, uh, uh, the various signals and counter signals and, and tell us what the problem is here. Well, your earlier summary was pretty good. The, the issue is that um, EU and US sanctions have finally uh, started to bite on the Iranian Revolutionary Guard. They control about 25-28% of the Iranian economy. And until now, they've been largely shielded from those sanctions. And everything you've seen so far, the attacks on the tankers, the drone strike, and this attempted uh, approach to a British tanker is all part of that. They're kicking back. And I'm not sure, actually, the Iranian government's in control of it. No, of course. And what's the difference between the Revolutionary Guard and, and what they get up to and the Iranian government as such? Because, of course, there's all sorts of denials coming out of Iran and Tehran today saying that there, you know, there was no incident, nothing really happened, it's nothing to do with them, which is kind of par for the course, right? Yes, it is. And I think, uh, you know, uh, we're going to see the video pretty soon because I think it was uh, all videoed by an American um, surveillance plane. So um, unless you, we want to accuse the Americans of faking that, I think I think we know how, who, who to believe here. Well, I mean, the, the, Iranians, the Iranians have got previous. I, I, I did patrols in the 1980s in a destroyer stopping the Iranians doing just this sort of thing. And they're up to it again. It's an international strait. They know that it puts uh, pressure on oil prices in the world and things like that. Mm. And so they get, they get on with it. Um, I think that we'll see a lot more harassment of British ships. And we're also going to look out for a possible attack elsewhere as well. That's the normal Iranian form. Well, we saw already, did we not, a couple of weeks ago, attacks on tankers in that same part of the world, in the Straits of Hormuz, uh, which, were supposed, which were thought to be Saudi tankers, uh, and the finger was definitely pointed at the Iranians then. How difficult is it if you are um, uh, the commander of a, of a British Navy ship like the HMS Montrose? I presume you have specific rules of engagement in that place. Yeah, you do, and you're looking out for hostile intent, hostile acts, things like that, but more... Uh, more, more frequently, you're trying to de-escalate the situation and say, look, are you, are you tough enough to take me on? Because if you are, come on. That's what the Royal Navy's for. We're here to protect shipping. We're here to protect British interests. And if you mess with us, you better come on strong. Right. And what is their point here, the Iranians? I mean, because if all they're doing is trying to draw attention, if you like, to their plight... Uh, and they're trying to kind of play to their home audience. I mean, their home audience is not particularly impressed with their government anyway, are they? No, they're not. The you know, population's pretty young now. They want to enjoy the benefits of globalisation like the rest of us. Right. And uh, it's only a matter of time. The Americans have got the right strategy. They're really tightening the screws on, on the, the regime. Uh, they're splitting off uh, the regime from the uh, Republican Guard. The Republican Guard are trying to say to their government, look, we need some uh, backup here. And, of course, uh, you know, with the drone strike, it was quite interesting, really, because I think the Iranian Revolutionary Guard shot it down. The Americans were about to retaliate. And probably the Iranian government rang out the White House and said, hey, it's nothing to do with us. Mm. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Could you please back off? So 
that, that's my view anyway. And they, yeah. do they see Britain now as a target because of what happened in Gibraltar uh, a little while ago where um, uh, an Iranian flag tanker was seized because it was thought to be on the way to, um, to Syria and it was also seized with the help of Royal Marines. So is that why they're going after the Brits now? Uh, no, they've always gone after us, actually, Mike. They don't like us very much. Uh, you know, we support the United States and that they have illusions that we, we still run by people like James Bond and things like that. Right. So they don't like us at all. Um, but uh, the fact of life is the Grace One, that tanky, tanker, was involved in sanctions busting. It had previous. We've been tracking it for about six months now. Uh, it's tried to do it uh, in the Gulf itself. It's come round again. It's definitely uh, uh, up to no good. And we were quite right to seize it. So where does this all take us to then, in your view, Chris? Because are we getting to a more dangerous place? Is it lost sabre rattling? You know, it, will it come and go? What do you think? No, it will de-escalate. The Iranians aren't ready to take us on, and if they take us on, they take on the United States as well. It's as simple as that. So I'm hoping it will de-escalate, but the Royal Navy, the United States Navy, is ready to take on anything Iran can push in their direction, I think. And, of course, we hear all the time that we don't really have the manpower, we certainly don't have the hardware, and we don't have the kind of patrolling capability that we once had. Um, how many ships have we actually got out there? Uh, we got uh, one and another one on the way, but it, it's a question of prioritisation, Mike. If we need to ramp it up, we will, and certainly the United States will, that's for sure. And is there any ramification for the sort of price of oil uh, or for the rest of us who just look upon these things as, uh, you know, how does it affect my pocket? Yeah, if, um, if uh, the Iranians block uh, supplies coming out of the Gulf, your, your, your price of the pumps will go up about 10p. It's as simple as that. Mm. Yeah, well, that all seems to be the case. I know you've got a rush. Thanks very much indeed for talking to us. Rear Admiral Dr Chris Parry, former NATO commander, telling us all about what uh, is likely to be the case out there and why the Iranians really, more or less, uh, are just kind of uh, whistling into the wind. They're not necessarily trying to improve their lot. They're not really trying to uh, impress upon their own population that they're in charge of their own destiny. They're not really doing anything other than playing a sort of game of tit-for-tat, which could be quite dangerous if they don't withdraw. Uh, but let's find out... Coming up, what exactly is going on there with, with this British oil tanker? It turns out that it might well be uh, a British petroleum, or beyond petroleum, as it's now called, BP uh, organised tanker, uh, and we shall see what that means. Coming up, though, uh, we'll get your calls on that. We'll be talking about anti-Semitism as well. Uh, we'll be talking as well um, about John Major and Boris Johnson, and, of course, the ambassador uh, who has now been removed from Washington, D.C., precisely who uh, is going to fill his shoes. More blasted rhetoric from the banana Republic for people who think capital punishment isn't going nearly far enough. <laughs> the Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. You know what to do. 03444991000. Quite a lot of you have got stuff to say uh, about Amber Rudd. Morning says, beware, Ray Amber Rudd. This is going to be a new Remainer action. Lie uh, and seemingly backtrack. Then when offered a position, suddenly pop up to block further progress. You heard it here first. Jane says, I cannot believe Amber has changed her mind so suddenly. She must be hoping for a job in the new cabinet. Well, it's funny how uh, people start coming around to one particular way of thinking when suddenly there's a few more quid on offer. Uh, Stu says... 
Uh, great caller there, uh, MG. He hit the nail on the head. Politicians think they know best, but that's not what their job is uh, to do. They are in the job to do the people's bidding, not to totally disregard them. Uh, Les says, the only thing Rudd has worked out is that with only a 346 majority in Boris as the next Prime Minister, uh, she needs to blow some smoke uh, up him uh, to keep her profile up. I bet her people's vote chairman brother Roland Rudd won't be too happy with her. Well, I think you may well be very correct about that. Now, let's talk about the royal family, though, because if you look in the papers this morning, you could be forgiven to think that we were all massive fans of the royal family. We've got about five pages of it in the Daily Mail, similar in the sun, uh, pictures of uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle with their little baby Archie. She's getting told now that she doesn't even know how to carry him properly. He's playing polo because, of course, he is the people's champion, isn't he? What a great game polo is. I don't think I've ever played it. I don't think I would ever know how to play it. I have actually attended a polo match, but only because uh, I was covering it because there was some royal family member. I think Prince Charles was playing it uh, in Dallas. But uh, but I tell you what, interestingly enough, also front page of The Sun, uh, an exclusive story by Dan Wooten, an intruder was on the loose at Buckingham Palace after scaling the gates while the Queen slept inside at 2am yesterday. What's going on? Let's talk to our man in the security business, Mr Will Geddes. Will, a very good morning to you. And a good morning to you, Mike. Now, I didn't realise that it was apparently one day after the 37th anniversary uh, of the uh, the very, very famous palace break-in uh, by one Mr Fagan uh, many years ago. Indeed, back in 1982, Mike. So how long ago was that? Oh, my and God. Uh, sadly, I remember it. I do. I remember you, it as well. Yeah, I remember it was broken in the sun. This is a guy, for people who don't know, who somehow managed, he was a sort of a, a sort of a slightly eccentric character, is probably the best way to describe him. He somehow managed to get inside not only uh, Buckingham Palace, but inside the Queen's bedroom and was sat talking to her on her bed, I seem to remember. Yeah, correct. He was a 31-year-old labourer and he managed to defeat the security, get all the way through to the Queen's bedroom, which is in itself a feat, Mike. Mm. Uh, I don't know whether you've been in the palace, but... Do you know, I yeah, never have, actually. I've never actually, I've, I've never actually been inside it, but, but I can tell you that I worked for the Mirror uh, when we managed to get somebody inside uh, as a footman to work undercover. And I was talking just recently to Matt Kelly, who was a guy who, who kind of formulated that whole um, uh, situation. And, and, and incredibly, he got to be working inside Buckingham Palace with a fake CV, uh, with a fake um, uh, set of references. And the only person that they called to make sure he was who he said he was was a guy in a pub in Wales. Yeah, I, you know what? I remember that story, Mike, yeah. and I think I've been doing this so long now, I think I actually remember quoting on it and commenting on yeah. it in the media. Yeah. But, I mean, the, 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 the thing with Fagan, I mean, as you know, he managed to get into the Queen's bedroom. She pushed the panic button, and, in fact, she, she called the household staff, who thought it was a joke initially right. and didn't respond. And then her sort of long-time aide, a chap by the name of Paul Wybrew, who is still to this day employed by her, actually came to her rescue and wrestled him out, handed him to a maid, and between him and a maid managed to manhandle him into the hands of the coppers and get him out. But that was a, a scary experience. But since then, they've even had quite a number of other invasions and intrusions on the property, even back last year, right. where a homeless man managed to get in. Because remember that Buckingham Palace has now been open to the general public. This individual managed to get in and then was only found after four hours of sleeping in a corner and having broken the Perspex display case to create a little bed for himself. It seems extraordinary, doesn't it, though, that this guy apparently scaled the fence. I mean, I can't imagine scaling the fence of Buckingham Palace at any point without being apprehended. How on earth does he manage that? 
Yeah, that's really surprising. I mean, obviously, it's a listed building, but they do have a lot of very sophisticated technology, including heat sensors right. and various other intrusion detection measures. Uh, it did take the police apparently four minutes to apprehend this character who managed to get in earlier this week. Um, but the problem that you have is, again, why I referred to it, you know, as it's such a huge building and huge grounds, is that once you get in and once you get past the first layer of security, it's going to be a heck of a job trying to find someone because uh, they can run riot pretty much around the place. Yeah, they absolutely can. And what do you make as well of the kind of the whole Meghan Markle furore around Wimbledon, where she goes to Wimbledon, which is a very public event. She goes supposedly, in as far as her aides are concerned, in a private capacity. They then say uh, to people around her, please don't take any pictures. I mean, people were getting very close to Meghan Markle, it seems to me, at Wimbledon. And I'm not saying that that's wrong. Uh, um, I'm, I'm, I, I would suggest to her, if she doesn't want a picture taken, she shouldn't go out, because she is, in fact, a, you know, the Duchess of Sussex. She's married to what was formerly one of the most eligible men in Britain, Prince Harry. Um, but I was more concerned, actually, about the security around her at Wimbledon, which didn't seem particularly brilliant. Well, the security is quite good. I mean, the one thing about the Royalty Protection Group are, is, you know, Mike, they're very, very low-key. I mean, I know a few officers, uh, both serving and also previously serving, and they're very, very low-key guys. And you, They don't stand out. They're not your kind of traditional cliché bodyguards mm. who are sort of lumbering about blocking out the sunlight. Um, so, you know, she did have sufficient security... The actual Lawn Tennis Association of Wimbledon, in fact, has very good security itself. As you know, there's a lot of celebrities that go along, uh, and I know that uh, they're very, very restrictive about what support uh, a principal can have. I mean, I've had a couple of uh, clients that have been to Wimbledon, and uh, they're very, very stringent about how many of the protection officers can actually come in. Uh, and as a direct result, she's reasonably secure in that environment. But to go to your first point, Mike, I've looked after a lot of very, very famous faces yeah. that are instantly recognisable. And I think she didn't play a good one in terms of the response there. And I think the protection officers, they would have been very much pressured by her to interact with those individuals. Because right. there, there are general rules that we apply, which is if you are in a private space, i.e. you're in your property or you're behind closed doors yeah. or you're with your children, there are certain areas, and you'll know this having been a journalist for many years with the tabloids, you know, there are parameters that need to be respected from both sides. Sure. But if you're going to a public event like that, unfortunately, you are fair game, I think. Well, I agree, and it's a bit like those people who, and I'm sure you would have accompanied many of them, who go to famous restaurants in London or New York in Beverly Hills and then complain about the paparazzi outside the restaurants. And you go, well, you know, if you don't want to go to uh, where the paparazzi are, don't go to those restaurants. There's millions of other restaurants you can go to. Why do you have to go there? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you and I both know lots of paps, uh, you know, and they can be friends and foes uh, depending on the situation. But there are, again, these agreements that one has. And if you go to one of the big name restaurants in London, it could be a Scots, it could be a Caprice or somewhere like that, you know, inevitably there will generally be paps hanging around anyway, even if they haven't had a tip off that there is a celebrity there to capture anybody that they possibly can that's coming in and out. But Again, for the principle, where the, those parameters extend is if, you, for example, we had a celebrity the other day had a, a big encampment of perhaps outside their home. They were trying to come in and out with their kids. And there just has to be, and quite often as a security officer, you'll actually go and talk to the facts and say, look, guys, you know, maybe we can arrange for some setup shots or just get the shots that you need and then please leave the family yeah, alone, right. particularly if they're going through a difficult time.
Yes, I think that's absolutely right. And is it more difficult now, would you say, Will, in terms of, like, the social media kind of intrusion, the fact that many of these celebs are now out there on Instagram or on Twitter, um, you know, selling themselves, if you like, in a way which they previously haven't? Uh, uh, and in Piers Morgan's famous words, you know, they're invading their own privacy all the time. Yeah, no, and Piers Morgan has a very good point. I, you know, I think if you are counting the general public, you know, and again, more often than not, Mike, you know that with some celebrities that I've worked with, they get very upset if the paps aren't there. So, you know, it's very difficult to actually determine those clear lines with the principal. And quite often I'll turn around to the principal and say, look, it's going to go with the territory. And the real grown-up ones, the real A-classes, they know how to interact with the paps. They do what they need to do. It's generally further down the celebrity ladder that they start becoming very selective and saying, yes, I can. I, you know, I'm prepared to do photos in some instances, but today... I'm not in the mood and no. I don't want the pictures. And no, I'm sorry, it, you can't really turn it on, turn it off. <laughs> so will there be heads rolling at Buckingham Palace today because of this story in the sun? I think there will be a very serious uh, security review. Uh, you know, whenever there's an incident, Mike, generally what will happen is the security will get their heads together. They'll look at what happened, how it happened, and what they can do to potentially sort of plug the holes in that security in the future to prevent that happening again. But I think... The problem is, is that they're going to be constantly under attack by individuals. I mean, we had Fathers for Justice, as you may mm, recall, yes. you know, both in 2004 and 2015, who managed to get in there and use it for protest by standing on the balcony. So it's, a, again, another fine balance between accessibility for the general public, and they have opened it up. So although they have the open spaces which the general public can visit, you know, pretty well secured, there will be times inevitably where people will try and clamber over the gate and scurry into the property yeah. as much as they can. Extraordinary. Will, thank you very much indeed. Will Geddes, their security expert, telling us about how it should be more difficult to get into Buckingham Palace, but a great scoop uh, from Dan Wharton, who incidentally uh, is on drive here today uh, on Talk Radio. That will be from four o'clock, of course, uh, after Matthew Wright, who's here from one. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Now, we've all had some bad neighbours in our time, right? You've had to live next door to people that you could have probably uh, quite happily seen shipped off uh, to the nearest uh, camp uh, for a holiday or anything. Just get them away. They make too much noise. Uh, they're always out there with their strimmers or they're always out there with their kind of, you know, electronic tools of one kind or another. Or they've got a dog that yaps all day because they leave it locked in the house. I mean, I've had all of this. I've had, I've had neighbours with cats that used to come and and just used my garden uh, as a toilet, which is pretty disgusting. Um, and yeah, everybody's had trouble with their neighbours. I've already got some great tweets coming in. One here uh, from Georgie who says, I've got a creepy neighbour who stands at her kitchen window and stares at me when I'm in the garden. I've tried staring back, but she never drops her gaze. She's about 80, evil, and completely freaks me out. 
See, this is the kind of thing that people have to put up with. Let's talk to Mark Dolan, uh, a man that knows a thing or two about nosy neighbours, I'm sure. Mark, a very good afternoon to you. Welcome. Um, hi, Mike. I just to point out for, you know, the point of sort of accuracy and also painting a picture as it's radio, I'm naked in the garden. Yes, very good. Well, let's hope that nobody's overlooking your garden so that they can see uh, the joys of spring that you may be well, listen, uh, exhibiting you know, like, to Like them. you, Mike, uh, I'm a successful media professional my garden is so large the neighbours are about a mile away yeah that's very good excellent excellent news <laughs> actually it's interesting isn't it because I don't know what the rule is on uh, lying naked in the garden not that I wish to do so um, yeah. but I mean what is the rule if, if, if there is I, one I think well you know I, I love our country I'm a great patriot and uh, well one of the great things about most of our law is it's not written down and it's all sort of a grey area and it's all precedent. And having, uh, for example, an offended neighbour would need to um, make, a, you know, establish a rule that doesn't already exist. So the bottom line is there is no law stopping a child or an adult parading naked in. So poor old Beth McKenna in that case. We're going to try and get you on a better line, Mark, by the way. So stand by your bed uh, or your sunbed, whichever it is that you're there by, uh, because Beth McKenna is the woman from Newcastle uh, who was visited by two uniformed police officers uh, because apparently uh, her children playing naked in the paddling pool was upsetting her neighbours and her neighbours actually bothered to ring the police. This is a story uh, that's in the Newcastle Chronicle today. Uh, detectives were sent round. They found the youngsters splashing around in a sunlit paddling pool uh, and Beth says I think the police were actually embarrassed when they got here because they didn't really know why they'd been sent for heaven's sake I mean I you know there's there's reasons for calling the police I mean I was out yesterday afternoon late afternoon in my street in southeast London and there was a, a guy playing very very loud music and I said to my son who was with me I said well the problem is you can't report somebody at 5 30 in the afternoon for playing really really loud music but imagine if you had to live next door to this guy uh, because he was in a flat, and it was incredibly, incredibly disruptive. Let's, Mark is back now, I think, on a proper phone line. Mark? Listen, I'm back, exactly. That's another thing we have to get to, which is why this country still has no internet anywhere. But, um, look, the bottom line is that I think um, it tells you a lot about our modern society and the culture we live in, Mike, which is that people are nosy, and they think they have a right to delve their you know, noses into the business that we're getting up to at home. I mean, surely, you know, is there no refuge from prying eyes? This um, particular lady in Newcastle, it's her garden. Her yeah. children are frolicking naked in a paddling pool, which I think we can agree is one of the great privileges of youth, yeah. is to potter around naked. You go to the beach and you see, you know, little toddlers running around. Um, are we saying now that everyone's got to cover up or we've got to almost turn children into criminals just because they're in the bus? Yeah, I mean, it's the new sort of Victorian attitude to life, isn't it? It's yeah. all very well. Uh, you can do all manner of horrible things to each other uh, as long as everybody agrees that that's OK. Uh, but children cannot be naked at all. It's absolutely ridiculous. But, I mean, here's the thing. Why don't you just ask Boris Johnson what he thinks about nosy neighbours because that story was massive just a few weeks ago uh, that yeah. he, he was a man apparently uh, creating an act of domestic violence Violence against his girlfriend Carrie Simmons. Uh, it's all gone away now. Everybody's forgotten about it. Nobody's mentioning it anymore. By and large, because in the end, whatever was going on there was not really anybody's business. Well, it wasn't. And I must say that it is a human right to have a bit of a dust up with your other half, as yeah. long as it's obviously only verbal, because that's what relationships are like. And I think you've got now, you know, with people picking up the phone and calling the cops, A, that's a terrible waste of police time. I live in uh, London, but I know all of our great cities are marred by terrible violence at the moment, knife crime, acid attacks, all the rest of it. Are we really asking our 
overstretched coppers uh, to turn up and ask a couple to sort of kiss and, and make up. You know, it, in a way, if you pick up the phone and you're getting involved in what's happening next door, well, that's like virtue signaling on a grand scale. You feel so good about yourself. Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, these people were having a heated argument and I've stepped in, you know, and, and off the back of uh, the nation's resources, i.e. the police. Well, that's the other problem as well, that we do live in this kind of society where there are what is described as a kind of um, uh, an attitude that you're allowed to have and an attitude, for example, that you are not allowed to have. I remember once sitting uh, in a very, very long traffic jam uh, and I was when I was living in Scotland, a place called Linlithgow, and the traffic yeah. was literally stopped. I could see there was a temporary traffic light up ahead and I could see uh, that basically I was going to be sat there for quite some time, not moving, um, and the traffic going the other way wasn't moving very, very fast either. I had my window open and just at that very moment my phone rang. Now, normally speaking, it would have been on a hands-free, but for some reason it wasn't. Sure. My, my car wasn't moving. It was somebody I needed to talk to. I answered the phone. The guy who's sort of next to me, right, who's going the other way, but was also stationary, shouts at me, put that phone down, right? No. Yeah, to which, to which I said to the person on the phone, look, hang on, I'm in the car, I'll call you back later on, put the phone down. I said, excuse me, who do you think you're talking to? You know, what's it going to do with you? What are you, the new p phone police? You know, if I was driving, that would be one thing. And, I, and, and people have been reported for driving while being on the phone. I was sitting in traffic. I was not moving. Now, of course, I will be probably the subject of a great hate campaign by all of these kind of nanny state types who will say, oh, well, you shouldn't have answered your phone. Yeah, well, that's fine. But sometimes you are allowed to use free will and sum up a, ri <laughs> a risk assess the situation. And when you're sitting in a traffic jam, I think it's OK. Well, I agree with you. I mean, the bottom line is, um, we, online, we are subject to the thought police. In other words, if I send a tweet saying this politician or that politician's, uh, you know, in, in the right about something, well, then half the country would agree with me and then I'll be trolled yeah. violently by the other half. So I've got the thought police on my back when I, when I go online. But now you're talking, well, that incident there is like sort of the behavioural police. So even the way we physically live is somehow being micromanaged by a bunch of do-gooders. Well, exactly right. A big, big problem in, in our country. Because yeah. You must have the freedom, as you say, the sovereignty of your own you know, life to say, I will pick up the phone. If a policeman is, or policewoman is not happy about that, I will face the full yeah. strength of the and law. Also, and if you live, and if you live in, in, in a situation where there are other people quite close by, particularly if you live like in a block of flats, there are some things you just have to put up with. Well, I do agree with you. And actually, when your elite team of producers contacted me this morning about this story, I actually <laughs> half read it. It's very unusual for me to be journalistically lazy, Mike. It is unusual, yeah. It, and I thought it said uh, uh, noisy neighbours. Right. And I was Im immediately ready uh, with my diatribe, which is that actually we're a very you know, densely populated, yeah. all our cities, and we must have boundaries and we must keep the noise down because why should your enjoyment of the early work of Elton John disturb half? The well, that's and, true. But it's, know, it's, as, as, as in as in all things, Mark, you know, if you are reasonable, then other people should also expect them to be reasonable as well. I had a situation once in in a place where I lived where one of the most annoying noises I think you will agree you have ever heard is somebody putting down that fake uh, laminate flooring. You know, when you have oh. to sort of tap it into position, right? And yeah, the stuff you yeah. buy, those planks you buy from IKEA. And somebody was doing it one Sunday morning, and I think it was during a period when I was working overnight, so I just basically gone to bed at about 7am and at about 9am this kind of you know like that that kind of banging mike it was definitely that kind of banging absolutely it's certain not just jealousy on your part not at all no absolutely i've never had a jealous bone in my body <laughs> um the next thing that happens is about two weeks later the same guy from that apartment comes to my apartment at about eight o'clock at night 
to say, um, excuse me, would you mind turning your music down, right? And I don't play particularly loud music and I very rarely play music at all. I said to him, uh, well, no, I, I do actually. I'm not going to turn my music down. It's 8 o'clock at night. And uh, he said, uh, well, I'm, I'm studying for an exam. I'm like, well, it's not my problem. I said, you didn't ask me if, you, if I minded that you tapped an entire laminate floor for three hours one <laughs> Sunday morning about three weeks ago. You didn't ask me then. And he looked well, very upset. Exactly right. You're so right. You know, cohabiting in the end, I mean, maybe the overview of this is, A, um, you, you mustn't be nosy. If you live with someone and you can see in someone else's garden, if they're doing stuff that's not your cup of tea, unless they're breaking the law, let them get on with it. Please don't waste police time. But similarly, as you say, there's a lot of compromise when you cohabit with people. Most of your massively growing audience are people who do live in a metropolitan area yeah. and you're always going to be um, subject to, to what other people are up to and the only way it's going to work, I would give you the best example of harmony and that's public transport right, whether it's whether it's um, oh, the, God. The, rail, the, the rail network of this country or maybe say the underground system in London, it's amazing how even when it's very cramped and busy, I mean I know it's not perfect but people are pretty courteous with each other and pretty mindful of like personal space and those other boundaries. The professional are, but, but, not, but not the amateurs, Mark. They're the amateurs are the ones that get me, you know, the ones that walk off the busy train and stop. Ah, right? <laughs> uh, yes. And yes. just stop yes. and just sort of look around as if we don't know where we're going. Instead of doing what you and I do, which is we know exactly which way the exit is, we know exactly where we're heading, and we know exactly at what speed we can do so. Uh, of course, and also the interrailers who are carrying a back sack. Uh, a back sack? A back sack. That's, that that's a Freudian a slip. That takes me back to last night. Um, the noisy neighbours. Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the youngsters travelling with enormous backpacks, which is doubles up as a weapon, a backpack the size of right. a child. So, but, yeah, I, honestly, it's give and take. And uh, the other issue you've got, you mentioned the laminate flooring. An issue with neighbours is I'm afraid that a lot of our building standards in this country are pretty ropey. And you quite often will have a set of apartments in an, what was a Victorian house. And the worst thing your neighbours upstairs can do is pull up the carpet, which is the trend now, and have these fancy, lovely wooden floorboards or an engineered wood laminate. And the, the um, noise application is a big, big problem. So in, you didn't have this so much in the 70s because carpet was the thing. So I say bring back the carpet so we can get some peace and quiet. Yeah, really. I mean, I was once, when I was a kid, I was living in a place in, uh, not far from where you are now, actually, and my father used to be burdened by this character from downstairs who bizarrely worked for the BBC. Uh, he was always complaining about my mother walking across the parquet flooring with high heels on and was constantly trying to come upstairs and make an, in a sort of state of high dudgeon, uh, trying to get her to take her shoes off, which, of course, she refused to do. She was like the sort of Imelda Marcos of primary school teaching. And, oh, oh you my know, God. You know, yeah. I mean, but this guy used to get himself so worked up. My father once actually ended up throwing him down the stairs. Oh, really? Yeah. Like father, like son. Well, I've very, never done uh... that. I haven't, no, but he, tried, he rather stupidly tried to throw a punch at my dad, you know, and so I'm afraid my dad uh, just yeah. shoved him out of the way and he fell down the stairs. Never to be seen again. <laughs> <laughs> Those were the days, Mike. Those were now, the days. Your, your poor old man will be banged up for six months. That's right, exactly. But, you know, people just need to be a bit more tolerant, a little bit more understanding, and a little bit more reasonable, surely. Well, yes, and also, by the way, a little uh, pause for thought for the police, because, I mean, I do think our police are world-class. They're the best in the world. But um, there's an element of political correctness here in terms of the jobs that they get called out to whether it's a quarrelling couple, because, of course, that's really what social services should be sorting out, domestic abuse, which is unacceptable. So the police are now responsible for a lot of welfare stuff, mm. which is, you know, I don't think... I, I personally, if you ask your audience, I think we would like the police, yes, to deal with that, but number one is murder, stabbings, theft, 
you know. And, and well, I mean, Steve has, has tweeted in, amongst many others, saying the police don't turn up to break-ins, yet they turn up to tell a woman her own kids can't play naked in her own garden pool. You know, I well, mean, it's remarkable, it. isn't it? it. And I think, and also hate crime, because the police are spending a lot of time now investigating hate crimes because of something someone said to someone else on the internet via their smartphone. Not for the first time I've had to say on this show, Mike, the world's gone mad. It, well, it really has. And thankfully you're here <laughs> to keep us all sane, Mark. Thank you very much indeed. When are you back on uh, Talk uh, Radio? Cause, well, uh, I have the privilege of being um, the paper reviewer on Alistair Stewart's breakfast show in for uh, Julia Hartley uh, Brewer tomorrow morning. Fantastic. So Stewart and myself. Tremendous. I'll be punching above my weight intellectually, unfortunately. Well, you better get back to sleep because you've got to get up early for that show. Um, so I, um, I shall see you tomorrow. Thanks, Mike. Marvellous. Mark Dolan there talking all about reasonableness and duty of care and neighbours and nosy neighbours and noisy neighbours. Loads of you will have stories about this. I want to hear them all. 0344 499 1000 is the number. This is Talk Radio. A mid-morning dance with the devil. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. On Talk Radio. Neighbour. Everybody needs good neighbour. We're the This is the Independent Republic of Mike Graham, 0344 499 1000. Mick says, we had a new neighbour rent the house next door. We fly proudly our St George's Cross. We overheard her on the phone explain how we were racist BNP supporters because we fly our flag. Uh, Steve says, I don't think people should be more tolerant, Mike. I think they should just mind their own business. Absolutely right. Uh, how about uh, this one from, uh, where is it? Uh, no, I can't find it now. Let's go to the phones. Let's talk to David, who's in Bermondsey. Hi, David. Hi, Mike. Yeah. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm fine. Mike, I just want to tell you a situation that I was in many years ago. Yeah. I had, I had a, a, a domestic argument next door. The woman was screaming like someone would scream as if they're being attacked by a great white shark. What, you mean your neighbor, in your neighbour's house? My neighbour's, yeah. yeah. It wasn't a soft quarrelling, as was mentioned before. Yeah. And, I, and I did call the police. Mm -hmm. And I'm glad I called the police. She seriously, I thought something really serious was going to happen. She was screaming that much. I can't believe you were saying earlier that, oh, people shouldn't phone the police. I didn't say that. When did I say well, that? Well, the guy you were talking to before, that was what was mentioned. No, nobody said don't call the police. We were talking about Boris Johnson in particular, right? Okay. Uh, and I was saying that nobody's now talking about that story because nothing actually happened. And what I'm saying is, is that, you know, it was none of anybody's business what happens. And the problem now uh, is that when everybody wants to call the police on their neighbours all the time about anything, particularly their own children bathing naked in a swimming pool, the world has gone mad, hasn't it? But, but Mike... When in the situation with me, OK, the police came and they didn't do anything. Because well, what do you mean they didn't do anything? They didn't do anything. They just knocked on the door. They said they spoke to them right. and then they walked away. Well, so they must but, have been satisfied there wasn't a problem then? No, of course, of course they were satisfied that there wasn't a problem. But the point is... Well, what did your neighbours say about that then? They started carrying. They started causing more trouble for me afterwards. Yeah, I'm not surprised because they thought you were interfering in their life, right? I'm sure they did. But the point is, surely, if you hear a woman screaming like she's going to be killed, you what? Well, maybe maybe doing? that wasn't the case. Maybe you just thought that. Mike, I'm not stupid. If you, as I say, I'm trying to uh, illustrate. The, the noise that I could hear, and it was like a woman, like someone being attacked Listen, by... Listen, if you think somebody's being harmed, then of course you're going to call the police. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but, it sounds, but it sounds as though you made a mistake in this case. 
But that's what the point is. The point is. Well, it sort of is the point. It is the point, David. What if somebody hears you shouting down the phone at me and thinks you're having a terrible row and calls the cops and the cops turn up and say, Who are you rowing with? Well, I've just explained what I I feel. That's all I need to say. No, listen, you're you're not in the wrong, David. But all I'm saying is it's a very tricky area, you know? Well, it is a tricky area, but you can't blame people for calling the police if that's what they hear. Well, I don't know if you can actually even say that because people hear things which clearly are not representative of what's actually happening, as was the case with you. I don't think you understand domestic violence. I don't understand how it works. Well, I do, actually. And and if the police turn up and the police say they've spoken to the pair in question and nothing's uh, all right and there's no problem, I think they know more about it than both of you and I do put together. I'm sorry, we'll have to agree to disagree. I don't see how you can blame people for calling the police. I'm not blaming you. You're ringing me up to tell me you did something which turned out not to be reasonable to do. Well, I don't... Obviously, we'll have to agree to disagree. I mean, that's what I heard. Are your neighbours still living there? They don't live there, no. They moved away, then? Mike, you're making it sound like I'm kind of interfering neighbour. Well, no, you are, actually. You're the one that's making it sound like that. What can I say, David? Okay, fine. Listen, thanks for calling, man. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Let's talk to Ian in Palmer's Green. Hello, Ian. Yeah, hi, Mike. How Um, are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm coming on the Matthew Wright show tomorrow um, to do um, the wind down Friday. Oh, are you? Yeah, drink to make some. Oh yes, okay. All right. Well, I mean, that's that's technically speaking an inflagrante red card on the Independent Republican Mike Graham, I'm afraid, because (laughs) if you you either supply us and only us with booze, (laughs) oh, you, I'm afraid, we'll have to fire you, man. Well, I'm not an unreasonable man, as you probably know, so yes. I'll do a deal with you. The story I'm about to share with you should redeem myself. OK, go it's on. It's really funny and true. OK. Uh, 19, uh, very quick, 1992, uh, bought property in Palmer's Green, um, just got married, um, 20, 20 years old, I think I was 20, 21. Um, we, bought, we bought a cat from Wood Green Animal Shelter. Right. Um, it turned out to be completely nuts. It was a, fer- it was just a feral cat. <laughs> so um, a beautiful cat, but we took it back. A white, a snowy, a white fluffy cat. Took it back. Uh, the mad, mad, mad cat woman next door, who was a school teacher, accused us of killing the cat. Um, <laughs> and obviously, I, 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 for its fur. This is no joke. This is absolutely killing the cat. Killing the cat for its fur. Right. So you know, and yeah, you know, we just ignored her because she was nuts. And then some of the neighbours started writing letters saying, "Well, we're snowing." No, and, and, you know, my, my wife at the time was very upset because we'd just got married and it was a new, a new home and these were our new neighbours. Um, so I, I contacted Wood Green Animal Shelter, who very kindly did a nice letter saying we got the cat on such and such a date and returned it. It's still there at their Cambridgeshire Cattery um, and you can come and visit it. Um, I gave it to uh, the lady next door. Um, she said it was a forgery and then we had some of the other neighbours knock on the door. There's about six of them one night demanding to know what happened to the cat. Dear God. Um, yeah, so I called the police. Right. I called the police. The police came round, uh, and everybody went, and the, the police were really nice. They came in for a cup of tea, and I explained that the cat's still alive. I wanted to kill the cat, by the way, at this point. Um, <laughs> that was a joke. That was a joke. Yeah. Um, you can't make and, jokes in this day and age. You realise that? No, 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 no. That's why I verified it. It is a joke. I don't kill cats. Um, and then um, about... Uh, it, was, it was all quiet for about six weeks, and then... Um, the, we got contacted by the Cat Protection League, and I explained to them, look, you know, the cat's still alive. The cat's in this place. So I said, but the cat, they went away. And I came home from work one night, and there were two, well, I thought they were police officers as I pulled up, and they were um, from the RSPCA. And as I walked up, they said, uh, yeah, you missed the party. I said, yeah. I said, I know why you're here. And the woman said to me, oh, you do, do you? 
And I went, yeah, I do. I really know why you're here. And I said, do you want to come in? And they said, well, would that be all right? I said, yeah, of course. And they're all very offhanded. When I came in, I explained it to them and had a cup of tea. They were very nice and realised that it was just all a load of nonsense. But all that escalated yeah. for nothing. Yeah, because people are crazy and people have this mob mentality and they want to interfere in other people's lives and it is an absolute nightmare. Ian, thanks for the call. Across the UK, online and on DAB, the independent republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. So if you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio, via DAB, online or via the Talk Radio app. If you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.